Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales, scale the business? <laughs> yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Today I am joined by Nicola Rowley. I'm so excited for Nicola to come on and talk to us all about the power of PR. Hello Nicola. Hello Charlie, lovely to be here. So tell everybody who you are and your journey into what you do today. Oh wow, that's quite a big that's one a big to question. begin with. <laughs> go big um, or go home, that's my uh, my answer. I don't want small answers. No, I love that. Absolutely love it. And I would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> um, so I specialise in helping entrepreneurs get visible through the power of PR, harnessing it through strategic storytelling. And what that basically means is PR is part of the visibility puzzle. It's all part of a puzzle that you need to put all the pieces together. But PR is one of those things that can really help you stand out head and shoulders above anyone else doing what you do, because it enables you to increase your reach, your credibility, your impact. And that is where I think more people should be focusing on in terms of PR, because it's how you can actually help others through what it is that you do. Now, my journey to get to running my own communications agency, NJRPR, is quite a long one, actually. I didn't start the business till I was 44, something like that. Um, I basically uh, trained as a journalist. I've always been about storytelling. So everything for me has been tied up in stories and being able to come up with different characters and all of that kind of thing. And so all I ever wanted to do when I was at school, when I went to university was write. That was it, like it, it lights me up like nothing else. So it made sense that I would become a journalist. And while I was at university, thinking that I was gonna go in to become you know, a magazine journalist or writing for newspapers, um, I discovered broadcasting and I was like, this is fun. This is so much more fun. And I love this. And I kind of did a bit of a, a sidetrack. Um, and so I started off working in local radio and I used to read the news. And I loved reading the news on the local radio stations. And then it became, huh, okay, I could do a lot more with this. And so I progressed and I had this little plan. And you know how you talk about the importance of having goals. I was very much goal focused. I mean, my gosh, I was like, right, by this point, in two years time, I'm going to be at Heart FM. And I was. And within um, 18 months, I'm going to be reading the news on Radio 1. And I was. And then I was like, right, now I've done that. Now I want to get into TV. And I did. So I started working for the BBC News Channel, as it now is. Back in the day, it was BBC News 24. 
and I went in as a producer and was doing great things, but they also gave you opportunities to go out and come up with your own stories. And if you were a real go-getter and you were someone that was really creative like me, I was coming up with all these ideas all of the time and they were like, all right, we'll send you out with a cameraman and you can go and do all this stuff. So I used to have all of these reports going out on air and then it became noticed that that's, well, I was actually quite good at doing that. And so I started reporting and, and doing all kinds of things like that. And eventually when I left the BBC, I was the entertainment reporter for BBC Three and I just couldn't see me standing on a red carpet interviewing Simon Cowell or, you know, Denzel Washington or whoever. It was great fun, but I just couldn't see me doing it when I was 50. I was just like, where is this going to take me? And there was part of me that felt like something was missing and I didn't know what. Um, so I moved across. I literally left the BBC on Friday. On Monday, I started at a really big entertainment agency um, working in PR as an account manager. And it was the biggest shock to the system ever because I'd never written a press release at that point. I'd never done anything. And I went in and I was just like, oh, my word, what is this? But what I understood intrinsically was what journalists wanted, which is what none of the other people working in the agency seemed to quite... They understood it and they'd get amazing coverage, don't get me wrong, but they never really dug deep and got the real story that lay underneath. And I think having had that experience, that's why it's so important to really understand what else is happening. And that's why it works really well, is understanding your story underneath. Um, especially when you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone, when someone is the solo entrepreneur or they're running their own business. It's slightly different if you're working for corporates. Um, but my biggest client when I was working at that agency um, was UKTV. And I was overseeing the, um, the press office for the Edinburgh TV Festival one weekend. And I was just, I was just feeling like I had like itchy feet. And I remember saying to the head of PR then, um, what's it like working in-house? And she just looked at me, she went, oh my gosh, I've, I've got a job. Oh my gosh, it's yours. And that was my interview. So I went straight in and went from the agency and then worked for my biggest client. And I was there for about six years, seven years. Absolutely loved it. I flew all over the world. Um, was doing photo shoots in Miami with Kelly Rowland on the like rooftop of hotels in Miami and accompanying like journalists with the heavy bikers when they were doing filming and out with James Martin. We did quite a few trips with James Martin. We went to Italy with loads of journalists or I went to New York and we had like a all of these journalists came along and we had like a girls weekend and it was very much sex in the city and it was brilliant. But then, of course, James came along and, you know, things change. So we have a we kid. Just, we've just intercepted here with James's Nicola's little boy. Yeah. So <laughs> James is my little boy. Yeah. And, um, and I had him when I was 40. And up until that point, it had all been about the career and it had all been about, like, you know, where I was going to go and everything else. And I must admit, there have been a there have been a point where I've probably just been treading water um, because we wanted to start a family and everything else. And it didn't quite happen straight away and everything else. Um, and then when it came to going back into 
a full-time role and everything else, I really struggled. And I had separation anxiety from James and I really, really struggled with the whole, you know, you're traveling for two hours a day one way and you're traveling for two hours the other way. And I'm only seeing him for 30 minutes a day. And it's not why I became a mum. And it broke me. It actually got to the point where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I literally can't do this. So then I put a plan in place. And then what I did was I looked for maternity cover contracts because then there was an end in sight. I didn't feel like I was hemmed in by anything. And I went back to the BBC, funnily enough, I went back to BBC Worldwide and I worked there. And basically I was working five days, but I could work one day a week from home. And the hours fitted so much better. So I got to see him a bit more. And then the next role that I took on when that contract ended, I went over to Thorpe Park and I was the head of PR there. And oh my gosh, I loved that job. That was an amazing job because it was just so much fun. It was so much fun. You're out on the park the whole time with celebrities and you're showing them around the park and you're like making sure you're getting all the coverage and you've got like the snappers following you around and everything else. And there are so many fun things that I did or that I came up with all of these kind of crazy ideas and they were like, yeah, go for it, just do it. And it was just like brilliant. Um, but I also knew when I took on that role was that I had in mind that James was starting school. And because he was born in August, he was always going to be one of the youngest in his year. And I wanted to be the mum on the school gates. I'd done the career. I felt like I'd been there the whole time doing my career and everything else. And yes, we needed the money and everything else. But I wanted to find a way that I could be that mum on the school gates. So what I'd done back in 2013 is I'd actually launched my photography business. So I used to be a professional photographer. And I trained and trained for years and years and years. So when I knew that I was leaving um, Thorpe Park in 2018, I planned out how many weddings I would need to have. And I started January 2018 with eight weddings booked in. And I was like, if I'm, if I'm going to hand my notice in at the end of May, 31st of May, to make it work so that I leave on the 31st of August, I have to have about 20 booked in. When I handed my notice in on the 31st of May, I had 25 booked in. I was just so laser focused in terms of, right, this is what I need to do. This is where I need to go. And so in 2018, I was photographing weddings. I was continuing to work in PR for Thorpe Park. I was also uh, working for another agency because someone got in touch and he said we've heard you're amazing so can you do some remote work for us and I was like yeah this works really well and then on the 31st of October I'm on set on this morning with all of the guys or the fright like actors from Thorpe Park and I'm on set this morning and I get text from the person who ran the agency saying I'm really sorry I can't afford to pay you anymore and I was like, what? what? What do you mean you can't afford to pay me anymore? And that was actually the last day of my contract, freelance contract at Thorpe Park as well. And literally the bottom just fell out of my world. And yes, okay, I still had some weddings 
lined up and everything else, but I had massively underestimated in terms of how much I was going to be there for James and how much that was going to take me away. Because, of course, school, Monday to Friday, when is the time you get to spend time with your child? Saturday, Sunday. And what was I doing? Photographing weddings. So I hadn't quite worked that bit out. So I knew that I didn't really want to do the weddings that much. And I was just like, oh, my word. Now, all of a sudden, the rug's been pulled from underneath me. And it took a conversation where I was literally sobbing on my kitchen floor, thinking, how on earth am I going to pay the mortgage? Um, And I had a conversation with uh, Lisa Johnson at the time. And she was my, well, she was my business coach who I'd followed for years and years and years. I'd like literally done every single course she'd ever put out there. Um, And I spoke to her and she was just like, it's all right. It's fine. I've got you. And I was like, okay. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, And she did. I mean, bless her. She's been true to her word and she absolutely did. And she said to me, right. At the time, she had a membership called uh, the GSD Society. It's now you can sit with us. And she said, right, um, you're going live anyway. You're hosting that event. So what I want you to do at the end of that live is come out with an offer. And I was like, what kind of offer? I have no idea what I'm doing here. She said, just look, just come out with a strategy session and like, I'll talk you through it. And she talked me through it all. I put it out. I designed a little thing on Canva and I put it out there. And the following day, four people have bought this offer. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's half of the mortgage pay for that month. This is amazing. Okay, maybe this could work. And it opened my eyes to the possibilities. And it it took me till kind of March time, I'd say March 2019. And I was just like, you know what, I'm all in. And I launched the business and it's gone from there. And I'd say definitely in the last year, it's just gone completely crazy. And that was as a result of writing my book, The Power of Peer. It's so interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, obviously we're friends. We've we've been on holiday three times together now. So I feel like I know you really well. But sitting here and listening to your story, what really shone out for me is this whole idea of just working really hard to get what you want and it doesn't matter if that was in trying to get into tv or trying to get some big story or coverage or whatever or setting up your own business because it does take a serious amount of hard work doesn't it it really does and I always remember I went to see a a career coach and she sat down with me and she and I was at a bit of a crossroads when I was kind of like trying to work out what I was going to do between like you know getting all of these different contracts and I was at that stage where I was still feeling a bit bruised and broken and not really sure where I was going to go next and she looked at me and she just went your CV she said it just reads like you have worked so hard to get to where you are and I was just like I know all I want to do I think is get to the end where I've got a head of PR on my CV so that then I can walk away and start my own business because she said to me why have you not started by yourself yet and I think I needed to get that to that stage in my professional career where I felt like 
I've got a status thing just for me I think it was more than anything else before I could then go off and then start flying by myself but yeah it is it's all about serious hard work and and also I think with PR as well I think people underestimate how much it comes down to a lot of things it comes down to the relationships that you have with people whether you're really good at building those relationships and also being able to secure the coverage because people expect the expectation is that PR is all about coverage now actually it's not PR is about a lot of things it's about brand reputation it's about protection of that brand and while I was at Thought Park I actually spent most of the time keeping the park out of the news as as much as I spent trying to get it into the news because it was all about reputational management and crisis management um, and so I've become really really great at crisis management as a result because I've been in so many situations where I've been like no I can't have it like that so and I think that that really helps because a lot of PRs will be not only they'll just be very focused or they might have had like a I've worked in an agency or I've worked in house they won't have had crisis communications training they won't have gone through scenarios where they've actually got to firefight and they find and navigate their way through things um but they also don't have that journalistic background which is obviously where I come from so I look at things from a two-pronged perspective and that's what makes the difference I think you know just going back to you saying um that you felt like you needed to get that head of PR thing before you can open your own business. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who would probably resonate with this idea of having to have a certain level of status. I remember when I launched this business thinking, you know, will people think, who is she to tell us? Even though I knew what I'd come from because I hadn't had a corporate background in sales or whatever, that was something that was in the back of my head. And even now, like, who am I to write a book? You know, all of these sort of imposter syndromes creep in. Do you think looking back, you could have potentially started the business earlier? Or do you think that that validation was needed? Yeah, I think I absolutely could have started the business a lot earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, but for the fact that, you know, there was a three to four years where I was like treading water because I was like trying to get pregnant, trying to have a family, all of that kind of thing. Um, I think that would have been a perfect opportunity to just be like, I'm going to go off and I'm just going to branch out by myself. And I think I probably would have felt more confident. But what happens when you have a child is you take a year out if you're lucky enough to be able to do that. And you in effect you step back for an entire year so you lose all of those important mm. contacts now obviously I'm a I'm friends with a lot of them on Facebook or I'm still in touch with them or in some shape or form but when I came back in your confidence is Absolutely. knocked it's really knocked and you go back into a corporate environment and that corporate environment has continued so while you've taken that year out it's just continued kind of spinning in like, you know, in an upward trajectory in most cases. And you walk back in and you're kind of like, hang on a second. I 
I'm just a little bit unsure of certain things. And you need a few months just to get back into your stride. And I think there is a really big thing here that a lot of corporates miss out on. They need to look after mums who are returning from maternity leave and they don't do it. They just expect everyone to slot straight back in to their previous roles and just be fine about it. A lot of people, maybe like me, um, I was struggling with separation anxiety. I probably had postnatal depression. It was just undiagnosed. Um, but I, I mean, I was properly struggling. Like every five seconds, I was off in the toilets crying my eyes out. I was literally a shell of my former self. Mm. So if I then been thinking about, do I launch a business? That wasn't even on the cards. All I could think about was, I need this job because we've got to pay the bills because we've got to pay the nursery. And I was in this, I've got to do this, but I don't want to do this, but I've got to do this and I don't have a choice. And I couldn't see any way out. And it was only when I started really working on my mindset and really looking at, Nick, what is it that you want? How do you want this all to play out? That I had to go through this massive journey to understand that actually anything is possible. My favorite quote is um, the one by Audrey Hepburn, where she says, there's no such word as impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. And I had to believe that, but I had to go on an incredible journey to get to that point because I was so broken. So inspirational. And I'm also just sitting here thinking, how old are you? I know this is <laughs> this is a, not visual, so people are going to have to go look up Nick on Instagram. But you do are you like forty six? I was trying to figure it out with all these. Older. No, no, forty eight, forty eight. <gasps> oh my I god, know. you do not look forty eight for a second, do you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm forty eight, and I think I think for me it's because I've been in the I've worked in the media now for I mean I say twenty five plus years, but I mean it's twenty seven years there is so much experience behind me there's so many things that I have done or I've seen or like newsrooms that I've worked in or things that I've experienced as a result it's just like literally I bring this wealth of everything but I think at the heart of it all it's just treating people how you would want to be treated and that is so important to me it's like like number one value always always treat everyone the same as you would want to be treated and I remember in um in one of my jobs like I used to be really friendly with the guy that worked in the in the post room and everyone was like why are you so friendly with Alan and I was just like because he's a genuinely lovely guy I love speaking to him same as I love speaking to the cleaners same as I always say hi to everyone I get to know them and I spend the time bothering to find out how they are and what they do and everything else and you know whenever I needed anything guess who was there for me Alan was always the one guy Alan. I'll sort this out for you or I'll do that and I was just like I never did it for that I did it because I genuinely thought he was an amazing person and you know we would just have really great chats and all this kind of stuff but it's about just looking at everyone with the same perspective you don't look at other people in a different way and I think that's why 
I've been like as successful as I am because I treat everyone the same. It doesn't matter where they come from, how different someone is or anything else. I'm just like, celebrate that difference. That's amazing. Let's highlight that. Let's be able to take you where you deserve to be or where you want to be with that amazing difference. And we will shine a light on it. And that's why it's kind of worked. And I remember um, the first morning in Croatia. So I talked about this. I've, I've spoken to my audience about it before because I was so nervous going to Croatia. It was Lisa Johnson's mastermind first retreat. And I didn't know anybody really. I hadn't really spoken on any of the calls because I was just so nervous about the whole thing. And um, we had breakfast. Do you remember the first morning? Yeah, I, and you were so friendly towards me and like giving me ideas of of what I should do um, in PR. And Nick barely left the room in Croatia, did you? I know this is the thing. Like people start going, oh, so um, what about this then? Or what about that? And then I'm like, yep, that's it. And with Croatia, what happened? And this is a really, again, it's a really like, it's the same thing with goals. So before we left for Croatia, I knew that I wanted to write my book. And I was really like, right, that's it, I'm laser focused. You probably worked out from listening to this by now. When I'm laser focused, that is it. Um, and so what I did was I bought myself a laptop and I was like, right, now I've invested in the laptop, that's it. That's the investment in me. I have to go and make sure that I write this book while I'm there. And um, I'd recorded the majority of it. I'd just done voice notes and everything else. And I got all of the text and everything. In fairness, I rewrote the entire thing while I was there. Um, but when people were like all sitting around by the pool and everyone was having a lovely time and they're like, and I'd pop down, I'm still part of it, but then I would go back up and I'd write a chapter of the book. And I'm not, brilliant on boats I have to say and there was a boat trip and that boat trip when everyone went off and they went on their boat trip I stayed back and I was like no I'm gonna break the back of the book and I must have written about three chapters during that time when everyone else was off on the boat trip and then when they came back I was just like I've only got two more chapters to do I can do this and by the end of the week I finished writing the entire book and everyone was like, what? That's insane. I was it just was like, an incredible, an incredible amount of uh, motivation and discipline. Because, you know, if I'd have been in the same situation and people have been having like Aperol spritz around the pool, I would have just been like, oh, the book can wait. But no, you were incredible. You just got it done. Uh, I think you have to be like that. And I, like literally last week in between, while I was done on holiday recently in Tenerife, um, I got a message from um, Audio and Co saying, if you want to record your audio version of your book, you're going to have to do it next week. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't factored this in at all. Okay, we'll do it next week. And then literally they were like, okay, so when are you going to be able to fit it in? We say that you need to have this, 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 and this time. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to fit this in. I just did it. We did it in a week. We did it in nine hours recording. And the chap that was doing all of the recording, he just turned around and he said, I don't think I've ever, like in all the books that we've recorded, we've never seen this. You've just powered. He was just like, I don't know. I don't even know what to say to you. You wrote the book in a week. You've done this <laughs> in nine hours. He said, what's next? I was like, ah, oh, you just have to wait and see. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. So let's have a quick chat about um, the power of PR. And that obviously, I know my listeners will be listening, thinking, oh my God, I want a bit of this. I want some PR. It's so important. Um, so talk to us about where, where should we start with our PR? I think with your PR, the first thing you absolutely have to get to grips with is your story. So what is your story? What makes you stand out head and shoulders above anyone else. Now your story is your superpower. So once you know your story, you can put yourself forward for opportunities and you're you're more focused on, yes, that could work because you've identified as you've gone through and you've got your story already done and written, you've got the angles and it's having those angles. What is it that appeals to journalists? Knowing your key messages, What is it that you want to say? What are the outcomes for any interviews that you do? All of those kind of things. You need to have all of those in place. You need to have professional pictures already sorted and you need to have some kind of a website. It doesn't need to be all singing and dancing, but I wouldn't recommend like having a Wix website because that's not going to look great. Have something like Squarespace or a landing page that looks good. So that if journalists speak to you and they do an interview with you and then they put a link through to your website, it looks credible and you look like the expert. And then you need to find the opportunities that are right for you, not just literally running on to hashtag journal requests on Twitter and going, I know I'll respond to that. The amount of times that I have seen people come unstuck and they all end up coming into my inbox and going, Nick, I've given this interview and I'm really scared how it's going to turn out. And I was just like, did you find out what the angle was from the journalist before you did the interview? What? Did you talk about, like, did you have your key messages in front of you? What? Did you know what the outcome was that you wanted from the interview? Uh, No, it just looked like a really great idea. And it's just like, no, you didn't prepare. You didn't think it through properly. So, there were lots of things that you need to have in place. And I think a lot of people are also, it's a confidence thing. It really is a confidence thing in terms of getting going because you might be worried that your words might be twisted or misinterpreted or used in a different way, or you might be concerned that something's going to be said and it's not going to reflect who you are. And you won't know that actually you can ask for a thing called a readback which is after you've done an interview especially if it's around your your story and it's a lot more personal you can ask and say look because this is a sensitive subject matter can I please have a readback um so that I can hear how this is going to sound when it goes out um and also I think everyone to a certain extent it's really good for you to have some degree of media training so you just feel happy and confident to be able to put yourself forward and whether or not that's just a you know following tips from someone like myself on Instagram or whatever it is just to feel more in control so that you know when you can push back so you don't start giving an interview and you can hear that the journalist is trying to push you to say something and you just go for it. You just give in to the angle that they're going for. And then you later really regret it. You have to have 
it's like almost like a safety kind of net around what it is you want to say and then guard that and it's almost like you know what your kind of values are for your business make sure that you always stick to those make sure that any messaging that you put out there about your business is consistent it's it's part and parcel of everything and I think sometimes people think oh you know the PR right so that will be the first thing that I drop but actually that's the biggest biggest mistake that people make because visibility is the most important thing that you can do especially right now it's the most important and PR is part of that marketing mix where you have to be showing up on a regular basis you have to be seen um, and just before we came on to do this recording Charlie you said to me oh gosh you know your holidays looked amazing you knew what I'd been up to you could see what was going on I was doing reels every single day now did I do reels every single day of my holiday whilst I was in Tenerife or whilst I was in Mallorca? No, I didn't. I did a couple, but on the whole, I pre-recorded them all. And then I just scheduled them in while I was out there and used them for my drafts. So it's about being smart about how you work and not working harder, but working smarter. Yeah, I totally agree. And do you think that we should be doing stuff on a daily basis to help with our PR? And if so, what what is that? Yeah, I definitely think everyone should be doing making approaches. So it's identifying those opportunities that could work for you, keeping an eye out for them. There's no reason once you've got your story sorted, once you got your pictures once you've got your website once you've got your messaging and you know what it is that you want to talk about you know what those angles are that a journalist might be interested in that you start proactively putting yourself out there to the publications and to the journalists that you want to ideally be in now if you break it down and you say right okay I'm going to spend half an hour a day working on my PR and I'm going to, as part of that half an hour a day, I'm going to research the places where I know my ideal clients hang out. I'm going to identify a couple of journalists. I'm going to start following those journalists. So that could be like one half an hour. The following day, you can, like, or a couple of days later, you can actually start thinking, right, okay, I'm going to put an approach into uh, this journalist and suggest that I come forward and I do this. If you put say three proactive approaches in a week forward to journalists multiply that by four weeks that's 12 different opportunities you have pitched yourself forward proactively and then there are also like the other reactive kind of PR opportunities that can be found that you like journalists are looking for experts and comments and new stories and things like that all the time. So that's an awful lot that you can secure yourself with just half an hour a day. And I think we need to get into that habit of just breaking things down so that it doesn't become as complicated or feel as overwhelming or, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't even know where to start. And if you really are stuck with, I don't know where to start, I'm struggling with all of this, get help. Like if it's not your 
you know, your ideal thing, or it's the thing that you kind of like sit there and go, oh, I'm just really scared about this. Just get help. If you're, it's not your zone of genius, find someone who specializes in that and go and see them. It's the same reason you're with Charlie. You're in Charlie's world because sales might make you feel a little bit, I'm not sure about this. You can still do them in a really great, authentic, lovely way, but there's no reason why you are not prioritizing half an hour a day, reaching out to four or five different contacts. I'm sure Charlie would probably say a lot more than that, but you are doing it on a consistent basis. And that is what it all comes down to. The more you do things consistently, the more results you see. I mean, even when, I mean, we were in LA in February, I hadn't, I'd never even done a reel. I had never done one reel. I had no idea what to even do. I had to get someone to show me where the button was to press to do a reel. And, but from February to now, I have more than doubled the number of followers that I've got on Instagram. I'm bringing out content all the time. And actually, do you know what? That half an hour a day where I create my reel, I love it. But it's a consistency, so it becomes a habit. And then it becomes part of what you do in your business. And you just need to set aside the time for it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nicola. You're so insightful. I'm going to ask you now my three questions that I ask everybody who comes onto my podcast. Um, the first one is, who inspires you? Oh, gosh, there are lots and lots of people. Um, but there are two in particular who really, really stand out. Um, Lisa Johnson, for obvious reasons. I just, like, she, she had my back. She still got my back. And she continues to go from like incredible stages to stages. And she's just phenomenal as a business owner. And Abigail Horn, because Abby, for me, we were in a mastermind together, um, probably prior to Destination Inspiration, which is the one that we're in now. And as soon as I knew that she was going to be in that mastermind I joined because I love anyone that loves books and storytelling and everything to do with that and Abby is all about books and storytelling and helping other people tell their stories so there's just this incredible heart connection between the two of us but she's just such a phenomenal business owner as well in terms of how she manages to do things, how she takes people on that journey with her. She's just a complete inspiration. I love that. Um, what about a book? I imagine you've got lots of books that you could recommend. What book are you going to recommend to us? Oh gosh, there's two. Sorry, I'm not <laughs> very good at doing just one. Um, so I loved right at the very beginning when I was trying to work out what on earth I was going to do and I was feeling stuck and I was feeling like, oh, I don't know what to do with my life and this is just not right and everything else. Um, I read two books and both of them had a profound impact on me. She Means Business by Carrie Green. I love that book. And the other one was um, one by Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning. Now, back in, the, back in the day when I took that role at BBC Worldwide, 
I was having to get up at some unearthly hour. I think I had to get up at like half past five every morning just to get into the office for 8 a.m. so I could make all the, the nursery runs and everything else. But I actually chose to get up at 5 a.m. And I got up every morning at 5 a.m. because I followed the Miracle Morning. And I did it for probably about 18 months until I kind of was like, mm, actually, I'm not doing this get, I get it. But it gave me that discipline. And again, the consistency, which was what was so important. And it made me realize the importance of consistency. So definitely read those two books. I love it. And finally, what piece of advice would you give to a fellow entrepreneur? never ever ever give up never give up if you have a dream you can make it a reality there is no reason why you can't do this there is nothing holding you back apart from the inner dialogue that you are saying to yourself I remember sat on that kitchen floor crying my eyes out thinking I can't do this I'm not gonna pay the mortgage and if I can go from that to running a multi six-figure business in the space of three years you can do it too and I believe in you I absolutely believe in you because I know what is possible when you put your mind to anything it's incredible what you can achieve Oh, Nicola, you're so amazing and so inspirational. I know people are going to love this podcast. Tell everybody where they can find you if they want to follow your journey or buy your book. If you want to buy the book, um, head on over to Amazon. Um, it's The Power of PR. And if you do buy the book, just let me know what you think, because I'd love to hear. So drop me a review on Amazon as well. Um, I'm over on Instagram a lot. You can follow my stories. You can follow the reels. You can follow <laughs> the dancing. And I've got um, a really cute cockapoo puppy called Rufus. So hashtag PR dog. He turns up quite a lot and he goes backwards. He's really funny. Um, so it's Instagram at Nicola J. Rowley PR. Um, and there's a free Facebook group as well called the Communications Community. And I'd love to see you there. So come and join. Come say hi. And if you want to work with me for free, I'm doing a four day challenge starting on the 17th of October, going through to the 20th of October. And it will all culminate with a storytelling masterclass where I'll talk you through how to get started with your story. And that's going to be on Monday evening, the 24th of October. Just come and follow me wherever you find me on Facebook or Instagram and all the details will be on there. Fabulous. And I'll pop the sign up link into the show notes so people can sign up directly for that. It sounds like it's going to be absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Nicola. Thanks, Charlie.